Hi, Foothill. Hi, everyone. This is uh, Megan and Tom. Um, we're so thankful that we get the opportunity to, to share with you guys um, today. We are going to be continuing in 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 3. And the focus of today's talk is the Spirit brings unity through maturity and vision. And so we're going to be talking about unity. And so we decided to show a united front by um, tag teaming um, the, the time of sharing today. And so Tom is going to start us out, but I'll open us with prayer. Pray with me. Dear Lord, we pray that your um, your Holy Spirit would be with us um, right now, Lord, that you would be um, speaking through Tom and I and through your word, um, that we would have open hearts and uh, ears to, to hear what you would have us hear, Lord, that we would be challenged and that we would um, grow and respond to your word this morning. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Megan. So as many of you know, Megan and I, we've been working on some islands off the coast of Africa for about 10 years now. Uh, we work in a nation that is uh, Islamic, a Muslim nation, and uh, we, we are hoping to see a church planted there, one where uh, many house churches will increase and, and grow and multiply. And so before beginning uh, our talk about unity, I wanted to give you an example of how damaging it can be when we don't have unity. Now on our island, there are two brothers. We'll call them Salim and Ahmed. They live down in a little village on the other side of the island. And both of them started little house churches in their, in their homes. This should be a beautiful thing. This should be a wonderful thing. But instead there's division because one day one of the guys that Ahmed brought to the Lord he realized that Salim, uh, his house, he, Salim was his neighbor. And so he started going to the, the church and, and learning from Salim because it was more convenient for him. Well, that got Ahmed really upset. He felt like Salim stole his, his guy. And uh, there's probably other stuff going on, but there is a, a great disconnect. There's no unity there. They're jealous of one another. As I understand, they barely talk to one another. And instead of the gospel increasing and growing in this village where there are two small churches, it has remained stunted, and growth has not, we have not seen the growth we've hoped for. And I really believe that's because of disunity. But we want to talk about unity today. The Spirit brings unity through maturity and vision. And, you know, as I was thinking about this and preparing, I was looking around for some great quotes about unity. And there is tons of great quotes about unity on the internet, of course. Uh, here's two of my favorites. It's a it's a very classic one. United we stand, divided we fall. That's actually Aesop. So good for, good for him. Uh, this is July Fourth weekend, so I thought Thomas Paine would be a good one. Thomas Paine said, "Not in numbers, but in unity, that our great strength lies." And you know, you read these quotes about unity, and you start feeling like, "Yes, unity is wonderful." You, you feel uplifted and. And what a great thing, and it makes us strong, and it's vital. But I also realize as I'm reading these quotes that none of them talk about how difficult, or very few, talk about how difficult unity is, that, that unity can be elusive, that it can be brittle, that it can, oftentimes it's temporary, and it's difficult to find, especially in this world. And also we need to make sure that we understand that unity is not the same as uniformity. It does not mean we're all doing the same things because we're afraid that if we do different, someone's going to hurt us, or if we do different, our, our, our so-called unity is going to fall apart. That's not real unity. Uh, 
And unity doesn't just mean coming together in the same place. Uh, you can be all together in the same place, but not have any sort of unity. You can also be going out to different places and have great unity. I look at this time of COVID and I see, just like in Foothill, and we're getting to participate in your small groups and our kids doing youth group. And I see, even though we are apart, there is a sense of unity and family that is happening here. And so praise God for that. So we're not talking about uniformity. We're not talking about just coming together. But the amazing thing that most people don't realize is the secret to unity. That when you're talking about real unity, you are talking about the gospel. That true unity can only be found through the Holy Spirit and through the gospel. It is in the kingdom of God that we find unity. True unity is a characteristic of God, and it's a characteristic of his kingdom. If you look, if you think back, the fall of man, what happened on that day? We broke unity. We lost our unity with God. We lost our unity with one another. We lost our unity with the world around us. Everything was broken relationships, and it was all, it was all just falling apart, and it has been since that time. And so Jesus came to bring unity, to restore unity to us, with our Father, with our families, with one another within the world. And so uh, realizing this, uh, we realize how important this subject is and why Paul would send a whole chapter talking about unity. Now, talking about unity in the church can be a tricky subject. Uh, I realize that uh, there could be stuff going on. And maybe this is why, a good reason why that we're, we are outsiders. Yeah, we've been, we've been joining you in your small groups and stuff, and that's been great, but we don't really know what's going on, what, what, the, what the inside scoop is at, at Foothill. And so if you guys are having a problem with unity, we don't know about it. We're just talking about it. And so if the Holy Spirit is, is touching your heart today, praise the Lord. Uh, but realize that we're not, we're not speaking about anything specific. Okay? Um, and if unity is not a problem at Foothill, well then praise the Lord too. And we say, take this as an important message because it is, it is something that we need to continue to work towards and pursue. Because when things get hard... And when unity starts to break, you want to be prepared. You want to have thought through these things because it's very hard to hear in the middle of a fight, hey, let's be united. So uh, wherever Foothill is at right now, I pray that the Holy Spirit would use this to, to speak to you. So now let's get into the verses. We're going to look at the first four verses of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is what it says. It says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? The Spirit brings unity through maturity. Maturity meaning, means being a person who lives by the Spirit. Now what does that mean? Living by the Spirit means seeing what the Spirit sees, thinking about things the way the Spirit thinks about them with the same heart. It's not, I follow this guy or I follow this guy, Apollos Paul. And Paul says, you are not, you are not spiritual people. You are worldly people. You're babies. You're not mature, you're not grown up, and you're not able to grow. Why? And this is important. He says, why? The evidence is 
there's jealousy and quarreling and factions among you. So listen carefully. Where there are factions, where there's quarreling, there's immaturity there. And where there's immaturity, that means there are people who are not living in the Spirit. And when people are not living in the Spirit, then there cannot be unity. And if there is disunity, well, disunity is destructive. So it's a serious matter. We've been on the islands for about 10 years now, and we have seen the destructive nature of quarreling and factions. I've already told you one story. In fact, sometimes when we read 1 Corinthians, it feels like, man, this is, this is our situation on the islands. It's, it's a mess. <laughs> uh, and so we, we know about jealousy. Uh, for example, we have problems of jealousy. If someone gets an opportunity to go to a conference and learn something that they can bring back and use to the glory of God, instead of everybody appreciating that and saying, this is great, we're going to learn some new teaching and be able to, to spread the word better, uh, many times people come back and they say, why did that guy get to go? Why didn't I get to go? Why did he get to stay in a hotel and go on an airplane? And I had to stay here. And that jealousy just kills the, the work that you're hoping to do. It stunts that, the growth of the church. We've seen factions. Uh, you know, we were not the first workers to arrive on the islands. And so we've heard from people, oh, you know, so-and-so, they used to do it this way. You don't do it this way. Why don't you do it this way? And then since you don't do it this way, I'm not going to be a part of what you're doing. And we're, we're broken, and there's not unity. Um, and so the, the results of these things has been to stunt and sometimes even destroy the growth of the church. It can be a very serious thing. You know, uh, as another example, look around at our, our nation right now. Look at the USA. We have become so factionalized, and it is destroying us. We've got red state, blue state, pro-gun, anti-gun, pro-LGBTQ, pro-family, Fox News, MSNBC. Put in social media, and you have people that are immature, just no one is listening. No one cares about unity. It's all about getting that zinger, insulting, uh, doing what we can to one-up the other person. And what we see in our nation is that it's destroying us. And the sad thing is, the church should be standing against this. The church should be the one defying those factions. It should be saying, we don't take sides, we're on the Lord's side. Uh, but more often than not, the church doesn't look any different. And it's the church that has become just as factionalized as the world around us. I mean, let's face it, evangelical versus liberal. Churched versus non-churched. And so we've, we've lost our, our sense of unity. That's in our nation. Now let's get, get to home, right? Are there jealousies? Are there factions in our church? Yes, if we look at the American church at large, there are certainly jealousies and factions. But what about, what about Foothill right here? If there are factions, if there's quarreling going on, this is the time, folks. Don't, don't wait. This is the time to make a change. This is the time to address it. This is the time to go to the Spirit and ask the Spirit to help you. The Spirit wants us to be united. We want people. He wants people to be living in his, in his, with His heart. We want to be living by the Spirit. And so let's take this opportunity, if there's quarreling, if there's factions, take this opportunity to come before the Holy Spirit and ask Him to, to change our hearts and to bring us into unity. The Spirit does bring unity through maturity and vision. Unity leads to life. Disunity leads to strife and destruction. I'm going to let Megan come up and talk about the vision part.
Thanks, Tom. So as Tom was saying, when we are not united, um, we are not being mature. We are not being led, led by the Spirit and not resting in that wisdom that comes from the Spirit. Um, so in this next section, we are going to be looking at the need for a unified vision. Um, the need to see kind of the big picture of what, what God is doing, what God is calling us to. So read with me, um, starting in verse 5. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. So we see, we saw in this passage, you probably picked it out, that there are kind of two central images. There is the image of the field where there is planting and watering going on. And then there's the image of the building where a foundation has been laid and then people are building up on top of that. And so it's two images, but it's actually one idea. And in verse nine, uh, Paul helps clarify that it's really just one idea. He says, we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. So whether it's a field or a building, it's the same idea. This is about the, the kingdom of God being built up. And with both of these ideas, there is a sense of people coming together and doing do different parts of the work. But you, you realize that they really have to be on the same page. You know, if the person planting hasn't thought about watering, then it doesn't know that water is going to happen. Their planting is not going to not going to lead to much. If the person watering doesn't know where or what was planted again, it's not it's not going to be it's not going to be fruitful with a building. If the person who did the foundation, the person building on the foundation aren't on the same page, if they don't have the same vision, then uh, there's going to be problems with with this construction. And so we need we need a single vision. We need to understand what the, the big the big picture is. And that comes from God. And again and again, you might have heard as I was reading it, you know, it's about God. This is God's work. It is God, the one that is is growing. It's ultimately ultimately this is God's. And I, I, for one, I, I always like when Paul and Jesus slip into these real life images. For some reason, it makes it more concrete. It allows me to kind of enter into the, the world and understand what God is, is saying. 
And I think if you ask, ask your kids, they can probably come up with other examples where we've seen building, maybe a wise man and a foolish man building, or uh, uh, people working in the fields. You know, Jesus, Jesus loves, loves this imagery because it helps to, us to see part of what it means to, to be working in the kingdom of God. You know, the idea of many people, different stages, needing to work together towards one purpose, towards one ultimate goal. And in these images, we see two things. We see reassurances and warnings. And so the reassurance that we see is, again, that it's, it's really God's. It's not on us. If we are following God's plan or if we're building on the right foundation with the, the, the um, right things in mind, then it's going to last. It's going to survive. You know, it will be tested with fire, but it will stand and it will end up leading towards to glory and leading to, to reward. But then, then there's the warning, right? The warning is that it, we all need to be on the same page. We all need to be working with the same vision. We need that unity. Um, in both in verse 9 and then again in verses 16 and 17, we see, we see Paul using the word you. And it's important to note here that this is not a singular you, but a plural you. In the West, we like to think you and I, oh, me. You know, we're individuals, but in the biblical Greek and in a lot of languages in the world, there's, there's two yous, right? There's the plural you, the collective you. And that is the, what is what Paul is using here. You know, you, all of us are being brought together for a singular purpose. So it's you plural, but it is one field. It is one building in verses um, 16 and 17. It's a plural you, but we are one temple. And so there's this idea that we need to work together. We need to be unified towards one purpose. And so if we don't agree on what that purpose is, if we don't agree on what that vision is, the ultimate vision is, how, how can we succeed? And so looking at the, the building metaphor, because Paul kind of rests on that longer, we see again two parts. There's the foundation and the building. And so thankfully for the Corinthians, Paul um, assures them, that the temple, that you know, the sorry, the foundation has been laid, and it is it is the solid foundation of Christ. Paul's the one that laid it. Now it's a matter of building. But in in the rest of the world, you know, we don't necessarily always know if the foundation is sure. Here, Paul is assuring the Corinthians that it is. But um, I think it's always a valid question for us to to look. And, you know, is the foundation are we founded in Christ? Are we founded? on the gospel or are we not because if we aren't on the right foundation then there's really no point in building building up from there it's it's only going to lead lead to problems um on the islands we've seen this you know as tom was pointing out there have been workers that have come before us there's also you know uh temporary organizations that come in there's tv um preachers that they they have access to there's the internet um there's influences of jehovah's witness and mormons and obviously Islam is this huge influence that can seep into the foundational understanding of who is Christ and what is the gospel. And sometimes we don't necessarily realize at first that, the, the, these, that this has been issued, that the foundation has not been laid correctly until we start to see cracks. Um, a couple examples are, you know, there was a brother, a long-time brother, so we weren't really involved in, in his foundation laying, but it found out he believed that he still needed to pray five times a day. 
if he was going to get God's forgiveness or another who he still believed that the holy uh, the book that the book of Islam and the prophet of Islam were holy and on on par with with Jesus and so we were kind of stunned you know these are people who've been believers for years but these these are foundational problems and so that that's something that's important you know is a foundation secure but then after that it's what are we building on obviously we want to we have to build on this foundation but the foundation was built for a purpose and it was built with an end vision in mind and that is the kingdom of god and bringing glory being bringing glory to the triune god um and so we have here in um in the passage he talks paul talks about the different materials and you might have noticed this list gold silver costly stones wood hay straw and you, you might be puzzled by this list because it doesn't seem like all of these materials are necessarily suited to the same project. And But then we keep reading and we realize that some of the work is going to be burned up and destroyed. It's actually not going to be lasting. That some people are building even on the correct foundation, but they're not building with the united vision that, that the Spirit is giving them. And ultimately, what they build will not last. And so we have to be on the same, the same page. We have to have this, this unified vision if we want what we are working towards to survive and to not, to not be destroyed. On, on the islands, we, we are team leaders and we are, we're champions of teams. We love teams. Um, we really feel like that's the best way to do ministry. And so even as we are champions of team, I think we sometimes find ourselves tempted to not work as a team, to not, to, to not be uh, working in unity. I mean, not that we're necessarily fighting, but sometimes it's just a temptation to just let each person do their own thing. You know, maybe the logistics are too difficult, or maybe we're having trouble agreeing exactly how we want to go about it, or, um, or, or we can't really agree at what the end vision, the end goal of, of our project is. And so we say, okay, well, let's, let's all just do our own things and, you know, we'll check back next week. And I, you know, we, we, we've been, we're tempted to do that. And every time we give into that temptation, I, I feel like we're missing out and we are missing out because God, whenever we do work together and we struggle and we pray and we fast and we come to United Vision and find a way to work together, it's always so much better. And I think we see that here, you know, the things that are going to last are, uh, are have are the things that are harder you know that it, it, it takes it takes more time it takes more effort but if we work together if we get that unity that comes from from god then we're going to build something that lasts and so unity builds things that last disunity holds us back or leads us to build things that are are just going to be destroyed that aren't going to amount to much and so I want to I want to challenge us, you know, we, I gave some examples from the islands, but how how are we doing here at Foothill? Um, I think we see here in the nation, you know, Tom talked about the factions, but we also see some foundational issues in our nation. You know, ingrained um, racism that started at the very, very foundational levels of our nation that are starting to to threaten the whole building. And so what about Foothill? How is the foundation? Is it, are you guys truly rooted and founded in the gospel in Christ? Are there any cracks that you're seeing? Um, if so, 
you know, let's address it. You know, let's make sure that what defines Foothill is, is the gospel, is Christ. And then what are you building towards? Do you have a united vision for, for what you're moving towards? Is it a God-given vision? Have you, have you called on the Holy Spirit and asked him? You know, we, we want to be on the final day for our, the work that we've done to be revealed as lasting and good and worthy of, worthy of glory. Um, but in the process, we need, to, we need to seek the Spirit because we need unity and we need maturity and we need that vision. All right, so I get to uh, finish up here and, and finish the passage. Uh, and it's exciting because Paul brings kind of everything that he's been talking about in the first two chapters, and he's he's rounding it all out here. And so as we look at these uh, last verses in chapter 3, he says, Do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then no more boasting about human leaders. And this is really, this again, this is what he's been talking about in chapter 1, chapter 2. And it's exactly what Ryan was talking about last week uh, in the sermon for those of you that were here. And if I was to summarize what Ryan was trying to say, I would say wisdom comes from the spirit, not from the world. And that wisdom of the spirit is humble. If you think you are wise, think again, Ryan said, Paul said, no more boasting, right? The Holy Spirit brings unity through maturity. The Holy Spirit brings unity through vision. People with maturity and vision are humble. Seek the wisdom of God in humility. And then Paul comes and he really uh, rounds it out in a, a wonderful way as, uh, uh, in that he brings it back to Jesus. And so he says, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours and you are of Christ and Christ is of God. So you see that uh, all the stuff he's been saying about unity is actually a picture of the gospel, and he wants to remind us of that. And it's a picture of the Trinity as well. So these, these final verses, they, they bring it all together, and they call us back to, to the gospel, to Christ, and to the Trinity. And so if the world broke our unity with the Father, then Jesus came to restore that unity, and, and the Holy Spirit guides us in that unity. If the world divided us into factions and encourages us to divide into factions, Jesus defied all that. When he lived his life, you see the people around him. They are zealots. They are tax collectors. They are Pharisees. They are scribes. They are prostitutes. They are Samaritans. And they all come together and they become one. Why? Because of Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't fit into anybody's side, into anybody's faction. Uh, but they become one. And, and then as uh, we hear later in Galatians, in Jesus there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, but all are one in Christ. If the world wants to skew our vision and cause us to wander uh, around and, and have lots of different visions, in Jesus there is one vision. He laid a foundation. He died and rose again. And then he gave us a vision. He said, 
Therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He gave us a clear vision. In the world, we quickly give up on unity when it becomes too tough. But Jesus prayed in the Spirit, and he prayed for the Spirit to make his church unified. This is what he says in John 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Finally, the world is looking for something that will unite them. They're looking for the loudest voice, the charismatic leader, the one who will put everybody in line, the man who's bigger than life, the emperor. And the gospel teaches us God's wisdom and humility. And Jesus himself, he humbled himself, being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Unity is, is it's something nice, it's something good. We all like unity. But it's more than just a good moral behavior. It is the gospel. It is what Christ came to do. And it is, what, it, is a, it is a witness to his kingdom when we are united. So the Spirit brings unity through maturity and vision. So the Spirit will push us toward maturity. The Spirit will charge us and change us and drive us into maturity. In the Spirit and in Him alone, we will find the power to put away our factions and repent of that and stop our quarreling and jealousies. The Spirit can do that. He can work miracles in our life around that. The Spirit will give us a clear vision and will bring us all together to have one clear vision altogether of what He wants us to do, what He wants Foothill to do. The Spirit will give us the desire and the, 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 the strength to strive for being united that this is something important and that's something that he wants and it will become part of our hearts that we want it to. And not individually, but communally. Uh, and the Spirit is the one who will help us to be humble in our thoughts and in our words towards one another. About nine years ago, right around when we were first starting on the island where we serve, I was invited to a meeting called a, a stakeholders meeting. This is a meeting where they get all the leaders, everybody involved in the church on that island to come together and, and inspire unity and, and shared vision, right? And so at this meeting, there was people from our group, uh, you know, expats who have been living in the, in the country for a long time. There are people from uh, these groups that come and go. So they come in and they do a teaching and, the, and, you know, encouragement, and then they leave. And then a couple months later, they come back. And there are also island brothers and sisters, leaders with, within the island church. And so the meeting was going fine. It's going along. And then but uh, the second day, I think, uh, a little group of island believers stood up. And you could see that they were angry about something. And you could see that they were hurt. And uh, in a moment of immaturity, they started to list their grievances. You guys have wronged us. You did this to us. And you didn't do this. And you forgot this. And just laid out a whole bunch of jealousies and problems and things that have been stewing in their hearts for a long time. 
And then in another sign of immaturity, they made a, this power play and they said, so from now on, we think that anybody coming to the islands has to report to us. If you got friends coming from another place, they need to report to us first. And also all your contacts out there, we want their numbers. We want to speak to them directly. And it was just like, whoa, where is this coming from? It was like they, they just put a big old bomb, like in the cartoons, you know, the big, the big bomb and, and then the long fuses and they've just lit that fuse. And now it's, you know, it's coming. And you just see every, like the air in the room is sucked out and everybody's getting uncomfortable. And then the whole room, we just start, we all start getting immature. And we all start getting defensive. And well, you guys didn't do this. And hey, we, we didn't do that. No, no, no. That, that's somebody else. And, and everybody's getting defensive and it's just getting uglier and uglier. And you see that fuse burning down and you know, oh, this, this meeting is going to end in complete and utter chaos. Uh, and it was, it was, it was scary. Um, but someone stood up and I believe they were led by the spirit and in love and humility. They said to those Island brothers, you know what? We're sorry. We're sorry for the things that we've done. We're sorry for the mistakes we've made. We're sorry for the ways we've wronged you. We're sorry for the ways other people have wronged you. We want to be one. We want to be together with you, not apart. Please help us. Help us to be one. And the Holy Spirit was in that moment, you know, because the Holy Spirit wants us to be one. And so the Holy Spirit used that to, to bring us back together, to bind us. It was like it was like the Holy Spirit just licked his fingers and psh, put that fuse right out. And this, this thing that was going to explode in our faces was suddenly diffused. The brothers were taken aback by such a confession. And, uh, you know, they came back and, and, and we, found, we found unity again. Why? Because the Spirit wants that. He wants us to be unity. This is a sign of the gospel. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. So the Spirit longs for us to be united. He's going to help us if we seek him. So let us seek the Spirit together. If we do, we will find maturity. If we do, we will find a shared vision. The Spirit will unite us. He will make us strong. You pray with me. Lord, Father God, I thank you for this time together, and I pray that you would help us to be united. I pray where there are factions among us, where there are jealousies, you would show them uh, to us, and, and we might turn to the Spirit. Holy Spirit, please guide us. Make us one. Uh, Lord, so that your name would be glorified, so that your kingdom will come, and that the name of Jesus would be known throughout this this area, whether it's in the islands uh, or here in uh, California. May it bring glory to your name. And all this I pray in Jesus' name.